in late January at the worship symposium in Grand Rapids, Michigan. There was a worship time focused on praying for the suffering church. Eric Sarwar came to the front of the platform and then he sat down on the floor. It's the traditional East Indian position for processing trauma with others. While he played a mournful tune of laments on one of his cultural instruments, a lament from his cultural context, he described the devastation of being a pastor in Pakistan, whose church was ransacked as he saw church members and family members gunned down in front of him, killed in front of him in a bloody display of religious hatred. Can you see the suffering? As the conference unfolded, I chatted briefly most days with some of the staff at the front desk. As the U.S. travel bans were announced, tensions increased. Protesters rallied and angry words on the news spilled out into the conversations in what people publicly were calling the divided states of America. You could feel the tension in the air one day as I approached the front desk to check about the logistics around one of the shuttles to the conference, I saw a white male guest ranting about refugees to the African-American hotel staff behind the counter. He actually stepped back because of the hostility that he felt in the words of the rant. As the hostility ramped up in this rhetoric of rage, as the white man was literally spitting mad about his political opinions. Can you see the suffering? Now it's easy to give a sigh of relief that we don't live there or don't live like that. But what about closer to home? At a recent service at our home church, Bethany Memorial Baptist Church, we emphasized African Heritage Month. The shoulder-to-shoulder band led us in the service, interspersed with songs and storytelling, beautiful cultural displays, a wonderful children's story about how quilts were used among the slaves to give secret messages that a time of escape was at hand. Charlotte States shared some of her story of racism here in the valley. Now I know Charlotte as a fellow church member of Bethany, but also as a soccer mom and me as a soccer dad. Because her son Isaiah is an incredible athlete. And he's played with our sons on a soccer team for a number of years, both in the community and at the school team. Charlotte works at Nova Scotia Community College, the King's Tech campus, as the employee services advisor. So I invited Charlotte to come here today and share some of her story with us to help us see the suffering. Charlotte, it's a big day. Thank you. Well, good morning, everyone. Good morning. Great day today, isn't it? It's always great to come together as, as God's children and to, uh, to share. 
uh, what he's laid on each one of our hearts. So I've enjoyed uh, what I've heard uh, so far, and I, I certainly pray that you will uh, be blessed with uh, what I'm going to share with you this morning in regards to part of my journey. So it's just uh, uh, a part of it, uh, not the entirety. So I am, um, as, uh, as uh, Dr. John McNally introduced me, uh, Charlotte states, I am one of four daughters uh, of Cecil and Elizabeth Chris, as well as uh, three sons that they had. I was born here in Wuffle and raised in a small community called Sheffield Mills, which was a predominantly white community. My mother was a homemaker, and my father was a farm laborer. I attended school in a two-room schoolhouse in Sheffield Mills. My brothers and sisters and I walked to school um, each and every day. No, no snow days like we've experienced. <laughs> the snow would be up to here, you'd still be walking. I was picked on each and every day by a girl named Nancy who would wait for me to walk into the school each day. She would take me downstairs and put me in a corner and would proceed to pull my hair out every day. She made me cry and she hurt my feelings and she pulled the beautiful ringlets that my mother had put in my hair each day. So in grade two, the new elementary school in Canning was built, Gloose Cap Elementary School. I was then bused to school. The bullying and the name calling never stopped. People viewed us as second-class citizens. I found it difficult to learn. My father had a grade two education because he was put out to work at a very early age, and my mother had a grade five to six education, and she was a victim of the Home for Colored Children, which has been highlighted in, in the news over the past uh, uh, several years. Mom and Dad worked hard to ensure that we went to school and got an education. They taught us to work hard, to be honest, and to be proud of who we were, never expecting anything for nothing. I attended Cornwallis High School for grades 7 to 10, and then I transferred to King's Regional Vocational School, which is now King's Tech uh, the Nova Scotia Community College. I graduated from a one-year stenography course in June of 1976. I have had a long career there and have been blessed with many work promotions and lots of opportunities due to the hard work. This year, I marked year 40 for me. I have not been exempt from racism throughout my later years in life. When I go into certain stores, they put a walker on me who will follow me around just to ensure that I don't steal anything. In restaurants, my service is not necessarily the same of that of a Caucasian. In the grocery stores, when I get to the cashier, some can barely open their mouths to speak while I have observed, while waiting in line, the smiles and the great customer service that the um, customer received just prior to me. All for the sake of being black. Racial profiling is huge these days, right here in our valley. Our family got stopped driving while black and asked, 
Whose vehicle are you driving? As if we shouldn't be able to drive what we have worked and earned. Throughout search at customs, when my other team, mission team members were put right through, I was always stopped. And they would go through every item that I had. So one of my RCMP friends said to me, one day we were um, on a mission trip and we were at a restaurant in Indianapolis and, and we were talking and uh, a good friend of mine, Mark uh, Rossiter, um, and we were kind of joking about it, but it, it, at the time it wasn't so funny when I was going through uh, the customs. Um, anyway, uh, John says, uh, Charlotte, you know, um, this is called racial profiling, and that's why you're targeted. I know this for a fact. So um, one day, my son Isaiah was walking home after playing basketball just downtown Kentville, um, he was with some friends, and they were black. And the police stopped him and asked him, where are you boys going? While at the same time, the streets were full with lots of other children, and they were not bothered. No questions asked. Our daughter, Marcy, was bullied so bad while at elementary school. One day she came home and she said, Mom, I wish God would have made me white. I was very sad, as a matter of fact, as a mother tears came to my eyes. Isaiah um, was bullied so bad when he went to Northeast Kings, where he is now in grade 12. He was bullied from grade 6 to 8, kept a lot of it to himself. Uh, he's he's a, a wonderful uh, child. Um, I don't just say that because I'm his mom. He, he, he is... Amazing came to us at at a little later in life than what we expected uh, because our uh, he is 18 and our oldest um, daughter is 32. We thought we had finished, uh, but God had a special plan for our son Isaiah, and uh, he he truly is a special child. And so we had many meetings at the school, and we were going to transfer him. And what they finally did uh, at Northeast Kings was had to put a buddy on him. Because every time he left the class, they were there ready to bully him. And that's really sad. We think about it, you know, here in the Annapolis Valley in this day and age. And your child, because he is a, a racial minority individual, uh, he, he is targeted, therefore the school has to put uh, a buddy with the child to ensure he's safe. So we continue to battle with racism and uh, in and outside of our school system. This has happened with my siblings, it's happened with my own children, and now it happens with my grandchildren. I have three of them, the oldest being 10, so, so 10, 8, and 6. One thing that I do know is that God created each one of us in his own image, and no race is any better than the other. And so here we are. Uh, we need to be looking at one another in the eyes of Christ as he sees us, and not as the world sees us. Thank you.
see, Revelation reveals reality, inviting us to see things differently. In Revelation 7, a heavenly elder asks John what he sees. Who are these people clothed in white robes and where have they come from? He replies, surely you know. These are coming from the time of great suffering and affliction. Well, biblical scholars debate the details of the end times and what that might all mean and when it's going to happen or whether it's happened or to what extent and all those good details. But Revelation reveals reality. It invites us to see the suffering. Chapter 6 in particular, just before this chapter, paints pictures with scary scenes of war and famine and oppression, ecological disaster, signs of all sorts of a broken, busted world. But you see, that's not the end of the story. God's grace transforms trouble. Revelation helps us in reframing the picture, in seeing things differently. I read of a woman studying this passage in her small group Bible study. She realized the relevance of chapter 7 for her story. Years previously, she told us she had a nervous breakdown. Her whole life was in chaos. Nothing fit together. She could see no meaning in anything. She felt overwhelmed by evil and guilt and sheer bad luck. She went to a counselor and guided by him to take a good look at each and every detail that she had lumped into a large pile and called evil. Item by item, the feelings and events and actions were examined. Not one of them, she said, became any less horrible or less palatable as she did that. But something else happened while she was doing it. She began to discover other things in her life that had been obscured by this great big lump of piled up wrongs. She discovered that relationships were delightful. She discovered songs that were ravishing. Sights that were heart-stopping. She began to realize many good things like the preciousness of other lives and the ways she could appreciate them. Later she came to know God and the entire world that she now recognized was right there in Revelation 7. It came into focus for her. None of the evil was abolished, but it was all defined in a new perspective. The nameless evils had names. The numberless wrongs were numbered. She was hardly aware of what point the proportions shifted. But now it was good that seemed endless and the glories that were beyond counting. Nothing in her life had changed, but everything in her life had changed. She wondered in the small group Bible study if something similar might not happen under the influence of St. John's guiding revelation. You see, this wise woman shows implications of revelation as we see suffering, but don't stop there. We worship the Lord, the Lamb, together. And as we worship the Lamb together, that changes everything. I have to confess that I don't remember a lot of the details of the sermons from the worship symposium. 
But I do remember the messages that were modeled. Eric Sarwar shared from the floor how Christ met him in the middle of his mess and the suffering of seeing the brutal murders of friends and family, brothers and sisters in Christ. As God's gave amazing grace and incredible strength and transformative texts from Scripture. Eric shared from Psalm 20 about the Lord meeting us in the day of trouble and we responded in the words that he led. May the Lord answer you when you are in distress. Eric's testimony was a story of courage in Christ as he began his music in a minor key and then integrated major keys for a musical message of seeing suffering honestly, but then inviting others to worship the Lamb together. Eric inspired us to pray for the persecuted church. In another service, Josiah Chung spoke. He's a Korean North American pastor. Interestingly enough, he wanted to claim his Canadian heritage and the fact that he lived in Toronto for a while in the midst of everything going on in the U.S. <laughs> he called himself a Korean North American pastor. He shared some of his journey about experiencing acceptance, but also racism at one of their denominational gatherings. And then how God prompted him to begin an intentionally multicultural church. After he spoke, we prayed in confession about the barriers that divide us. And we prayed in your session for the Lamb of God to heal the nations. And then we responded in a song of dedication in English and Zulu. My Zulu is not very good. It's the first time I've ever sung in Zulu, but I tried. About holding on to Jesus. Holding on to Jesus. And then the service concluded with a blessing. You may know the words, praise God from whom all blessings flow. But what you could do after it was sung in English is that you could look at the order of service and choose which language you wanted to sing the second time around. You could choose from Cherokee or Mohawk or Navajo. German or French or Portuguese, Spanish, Dutch, Korean, Japanese, or Mandarin, I decided to stick with English. <laughs> but you know something? It was a compelling contemporary collage of the truth of Revelation 7, 9, to 11. I looked, and I saw a huge crowd of people which no one could even begin to count, representing every nation and tribe and people and language, standing before the throne and the Lamb wearing white robes and waving palm branches, they cried out with one loud voice, salvation comes only from our God who sits upon the throne and from the Lamb. And all the heavenly messengers stood up and encircling the throne and the elders and the four living creatures and they fell prostrate before the throne and worshiped God. Amen. Praise and glory and wisdom and thanksgiving and honor and power and might be to our God 
on and on throughout all ages. Amen. In the midst of racism in our valley, I thank God that Charlotte States is a sister in Christ. And that God has given her the courage today to help us see the suffering, but not stop there. To remind us that we're all created in God's image and that we can worship the Lamb together. In the midst of remembering African Heritage Month, I thank God for my pastor, Thelma McLeod, and how she helped shape a service to be honest about our history and to be hopeful for healing through Christ. In the midst of media discussions when I was down in the States about the size and the length of the next part of the wall between the U.S. and Mexico, at a time when Latino deportation rates, deportation rates were increasing dramatically, the closing communion service at the worship symposium was totally bilingual in Spanish and English. Women and men, youth and adults, those with and without physical disabilities, Spanish and English leaders, all these people and more participated in that closing communion. Not all of the 1,600 people involved in the conference were there, but most of them were. They led us in worshiping the Lamb together. The female pastor who preached, her name was Maria, preached with passion and persuasion. In the midst of all the hostility Latinos were experiencing at that time and continue to in the U.S., she invited us with the imagery and the implications of the tree for the healing of the nations described in Revelation 22. Google the worship symposium and look for the picture of the banner. The whole service is online. A banner that went almost to the ceiling, at least 30 feet high, with a picture of the trees beside the river of life. Trees with leaves for the healing of the nations. Pastor Maria moved seamlessly back and forth between Spanish and English as she invited us to be a part of the vision of who we are together in Christ. As we become God's instruments to bring healing into the present. Not a heavenly reality way up there somewhere, but the kingdom of God breaking in right here, right now. I was particularly struck by one gentleman who helped out with the scripture reading. He was a youth who had a disability, and so he came up with his canes, and it took a while to get up there, but he was totally bilingual in Spanish and English. He didn't let the disability get in the way of God using him as an instrument, and he spoke the scripture with clarity and with passion, and he went back and forth between Spanish and English. It was powerful. You see, along with the multicultural, multi-generational leaders, in her presence and her preaching, Maria inspired us to live in the river of life. Revelation reveals reality as God's grace transforms trouble. Let's worship the land together and also see the suffering. Let's see the suffering and worship the land together. To help us do that, we have a prayer that you received on the way in. If you missed a copy, look on with someone close by.
It's a responsive prayer, a litany prayer. I encourage you to share with someone if you don't have a copy. We want to bring before God the needs of the church, the world, and all in need to God's loving care. Please respond to the words, Lord, in your mercy, by saying, hear our prayer. May your kingdom come, your will be done. At a few points in the prayer, we will pause for you to lift up names in the quiet of your heart. Names of people who come to your mind. Let's join our hearts together in prayer. And I hope that this prayer will be something you can use maybe in your own devotions, maybe in your worship setting in other places. Let's pray. God of heaven and earth, through Jesus Christ, you promise to hear us when we pray to you in his name. Confident in your love and mercy, we offer our prayer. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. May your kingdom come, your will be done. Empower the church throughout the world in its life and witness. Break down the barriers that divide so that united in your truth and love, the church may confess your name, share one baptism, sit together at one table and serve you in one common ministry. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. May your kingdom come, your will be done. Guide the rulers of the nations, move them to set aside their fear, greed, and vain ambition and to bow to your sovereign rule. Inspire them to strive for peace and justice, that all your children may dwell secure, free of war and injustice. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. May your kingdom come, your will be done. Hear the cries of the world's hungry and suffering. Give us, who consume most of the earth's resources, the will to reorder our lives, that all may have their rightful share of food, medical care, and shelter and so have the necessities of a life of dignity. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. May your kingdom come, your will be done. Restore among us a love of the earth you created for our home. Help us put an end to ravishing its land, air, and waters, and give us respect for all of your creatures, that living in harmony with everything you have made, your whole creation may resound in an anthem of praise to your glorious name. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. May your kingdom come, your will be done. Renew our nation in the ways of justice and peace. Guide those who make and administer our laws to build a society based on trust and respect. Erase prejudices that oppress. Free us from crime and violence. Guard our youth from the perils of drugs and materialism. Give all citizens a new vision of a life of harmony. Lord, in your mercy, Hear our prayer. May your kingdom come. Your will be done. Strengthen this Christian community in its work and worship. Fill our hearts with your self-giving love that our voices may speak your praise and our lives may conform to the image of your Son. Nourish us with your word and the Lord's Supper that we may faithfully minister in your name and witness to your love and grace for all the world. Lord, in your mercy. Hear our prayer. May your kingdom come, your will be done. Look with compassion on all who suffer. Support with your love those with incurable and stigmatized diseases, those unjustly imprisoned, those denied dignity, those who live without hope, those who are homeless or abandoned. As you have moved toward us in love, so lead us to be present with them in their suffering in the name of Jesus Christ. Lord, in your mercy, 
hear our prayer. May your kingdom come, your will be done. Sustain those among us who need your healing touch. Make the sick whole as you bring, especially the names of people to our minds. Give hope to the dying, especially the names of people whom you bring to our mind. Comfort those who mourn, especially the names of people whom you bring to mind. Uphold all who suffer in body or mind, not only those we know and love, but also those known only to you, that they may know the peace and joy of your supporting care. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. May your kingdom come, your will be done. O God, in your loving purpose, answer our prayers and fulfill our hopes. In all things for which we pray, give us the will to seek to bring them about for the sake of Jesus Christ. Amen.